Hey, I'm JR from the 18 Over Par with Mike and JR podcast, exploring the sights, stories, and sounds of golf on the prairies, where you'll find some of the most golf courses per capita of anywhere in the world, and beer. Lots of beer. 18 Over Par is proudly presented by Jamie Wilkie and the new Winnipeg Dodge Chrysler Jeep Ram Fiat. Pulling up to the clubhouse in a ride that looks half as good as your golf attire just isn't cutting it. It's time to improve your ride and your drive. You can purchase a new or used vehicle from Jamie Wilkie at the new Winnipeg Dodge in the Point West Auto Park and the former Manitoba Amateur Champ will take you for a round at Breezy Bend. So now pulling up to the clubhouse won't be so damn embarrassing and neither will your golf game. You can book your test drive today at winnipegdodge.com. Just ask for Jamie Wilkie. You can also check him out on episode two of the 18 Over Par podcast. He'll certainly be happy to see you. You can also find them on social media, so make sure you improve your ride and your drive, and the only place to do that, the new Winnipeg Dodge. They're different. You can check them out, winnipegdodge.com. JR, we have a lot of fun on this podcast, but I want to take a second to talk about something that has affected me personally. Every year, millions of Canadians suffer from brain freeze. It can happen to anyone. It's a hot summer day. You're aggressively enjoying a DQ cool treat, a blizzard, a dilly bar, or a variety of personalized ice cream cakes, and whammo, brain freeze. It hits you like a triple bogey. The good news is you can enjoy these delicious treats in a moderately sized bite. So get over to any Nick and Nicky's group of DQs and enjoy some DQ treats safely. DQ Northgate on McPhillips, DQ Pole Park in the food court, DQ Niverville, and DQ St. Anne's Road. Go see them today for tasty treats. It's the 18 Over Par Podcast with Mike and JR. Welcome to 18 Over Bar with Mike and JR, proudly presented by Jamie Wilkie and the new Winnipeg Dodge Chrysler Jeep Ram Fiat in the Point West Auto Park. I'm JR, he's Mike, and today we're joined by Peter Moore, Kingswood Assistant Golf Professional. He won the 2010 Manitoba Amateur Championship. He's also a three-time Manitoba match play champion and has represented the province for years on a national level. You can connect with him at Kingswood Golf Course in LaSalle or golfbypete.com. All right, really excited to bring in Pete Moore. He was connected to us by episode two star, Jamie Wilkie, who just so happens to be a sponsor of the show, him and Winnipeg Dodge, uh, the new Winnipeg Dodge in the Point West Auto Park have come on. And Jamie Wilkie's a former amateur champ. Absolutely. And Pete Moore just happens to be an amateur champ. Yeah, Wilkie hooking up uh, great deals on cars and great deals on guests. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to get the vehicle soon. That's <laughs> right, of yeah. us. Yeah. We keep talking about it. <laughs> we'll keep putting it off. And, and also... Uh, Pete gets a DQ 8-inch custom cake from the Nick and Nikki group of DQs. You can find them at DQ Polo Park in the food court, DQ Northgate, 
DQ Niverville and DQ St. Anne's Row. Now, Pete, we mentioned Jamie Wilkie. So if you two played a match, who would win? That's a, that's a tough question, but I think, uh, I think I like my chances. <laughs> <laughs> Have you guys ever played together before? Yeah, we've, we've played a few times. Uh, he joined, he actually joined Breezy uh, in the last few years. I was, I used to be a member there. Um, well, I guess I kind of still am. But uh, yeah, we played a couple times in the last few years. It was, um, it was always pretty close. Always fun to play with Jamie. He's a, he's a great guy and, uh, and yeah, a good friend of mine. And what's kind of got you into golf then? Uh, was it like an early age? My dad was a pretty uh, um, accomplished uh, provincial player. He uh, he's in the Manitoba Golf Hall of Fame, so he kind of got me into it. Uh, probably when I was about five or six, I started and kind of got into it from there. And was he? Did he give you any instruction at all, or did he kind of just say, "Here's some clubs and have at it"? It was pretty much get me. A, got me a set of junior clubs when I was about seven, I guess six or seven, and kind of just let me let let me go out there and go at it. Um, the only real instruction I ever got was kind of through the uh, the provincial golf association. They had some junior development back when I was uh, when I was in my mid teens, and that was kind of the only instruction that I ever really got. And your mom was an athlete as well, wasn't she? My mom is the actual the uh, the definitely the the best athlete in the family. She <laughs> was uh, she's a former world curling champion, and I believe it was in 1984. She played third for Connie Alberti when they won the world. So oh my she's goodness! The, uh, she's the real star. Well, was it was there ever a choice then? Did you have to choose between say golf and curling, or did you even pick up curling? Oh, it was one of the actually. I I think about it a lot. She tried to get me into curling back when I was like pretty young, and I never wanted to get into it. And it's one of the biggest regrets I've ever had because I think I would have really enjoyed uh, trying to develop in that sport for sure. Do you still go out and and try curling, or have you ever tried it or you played it? Throw the rocks. Yeah, around? I actually played. I actually played in a mixed league last year or two years ago for the first time ever, and uh, our team was really good. We, it was it was a lot of fun, and uh, we, we did we did very well. Jr., have you ever curled yourself? No, I, I have never curled. I would love to curl. I have a lot of friends that curl, and uh, I know a few semi-famous curlers myself. But but yeah, I've never gone out myself and 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 gone out there and thrown the rocks. It seems like a great sport. Yeah. And a sport, it goes, it's, it's very hand in hand with the beer drinking. <laughs> I was going to say, it seems like a sport you can drink with and you can, I know at one of the, uh, one of the, uh, rinks, the curling clubs, you can order drinks right down to your sheet. So that's fairly convenient. Oh yeah. Yeah. The phone's right there. You just whip over after you throw for sure. <laughs> so was your mom then disappointed in you that you uh, didn't pick up curling? I, I'm not sure. I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm assuming maybe a little bit she was, but uh, I think I'm more disappointed in it now. I, <laughs> I see all the, all the money these guys are making and all these, all this fun stuff that they're doing. It was like, man, I wish I was, wish I was involved in something like that. So, did you kind of find a time uh, when you were younger playing golf where you, you just thought, wow, I'm actually pretty good at this? Yeah, like I was, I was a member. I, I my first real membership. I was a member of Rossner when I was twelve years old, and it's kind of by my house, so I'd, I'd ride my bike over there all the time, and that was just like the fun thing to do is go to the golf course and and just kind of be there. So I, I mean, playing a lot, I guess, and putting a lot of time into it, you just kind of develop and get uh, and get your skill level just raise, raises, I guess. And when did it really get competitive for you? Was it was it at a pretty young age? I played in my first junior, I think, when I was 12 or 13, and then I played pretty competitively from that point 
on until about 2012, I stopped really competing in am- anything amateur-wise. But from when I was 12 to, to then, it was pretty much all summer, every summer, full-out wow. tournaments and, and playing. How often would you play in the summer? I was probably at my peak. I was probably playing 130 times a year. Whoa. That's quite a few rounds. I think I got 20 in last year. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's, I think that's the main, that's the main thing I tell like my students and people that are there. Any, any questions about golf ever is the amount of time you're going to put into it is going to be the the determining factor on how good you, you can become. Exactly. Is that something that you found? Like, is it just about muscle memory thing then, or is it a combination of things? I think that, yeah, I mean, being able to have something repetitive in your swing that you like, it doesn't kind of matter if, if, uh, if it's kind of looks different or, or some things are different, but if you can have something that's repetitive, I think that's a, that's a big, a uh, big thing that, that is important. Also being able to go out and shoot, just find ways to shoot scores. Like there's a lot of people that they like to go to the range and hit balls and, and try to make things perfect. Whereas mm. I've always found that it was more golf was more of a game of imperfection. Like it's trying to, trying to do shoot your best score when things aren't mm. going well is kind of the, the main, the main objective, I guess. That's what I do. I, I rarely get to the range and I try and just figure it out on the course, which probably isn't the, the best thing to do. But uh, yeah, you know, finding yourself in those tough situations and, and getting yourself out of them so that you know how to do that next time. If I were to ever be in a, in a competitive uh, game. <laughs> Absolutely. The experience of that can go goes a long way for sure. And is that something then? So now you're at Kingswood. Uh, and, and, and so what would your, your title be there? You're a professional. I'm the assistant pro under Darren McMillan. Mm-hmm. Um, I just started there actually just very recently. Um, so it's kind of a new career path for me. Uh, so yeah, I'd be, I guess that my title would be his assistant. And then I have, uh, golf by Pete.com is my website. Um, just for, I teach, I'm going to start up a full teaching school sort of thing. So that's, uh, all the information there to, uh, to be viewed for sure. And what comes into, I guess, teaching? Because I can just imagine knowing the people who I golf with, they're not that great at golf, and I'm not that great at golf. Are you looking at me? You're looking at me right now. (laughs) But but how do you go through a lesson plan? Do you just kind of look at this and like, oh, I got a lot of work to do with with everyone? Or is it kind of like, oh, they kind of have some together. Let's just kind of give them a nudge here and there. I I personally, I have a a strong belief that um, getting the, the posi- getting the setup position correct is a is a huge huge thing. Um, I, I like to try to make things more simple for people. Uh, if you, if you bombard people with too much information, it's not going to help them. I want to take things slowly. I really stress getting set up in the right position because if you're not set up properly, um, it's a very your percentage of hitting good shots it goes drastically down. So basically my main focus pretty much for all levels, skill levels of people is, is to really focus and ingrain the fundamentals. And then from there we can kind of start working on some other things and and kind of give them more information from there. And taking up the the teaching profession on the golf side of things, is that something you learned a bit from your dad or is it just from your play uh, with, you know, being multiple time champion, whether it's in the province uh, or playing against those outside the province? I found, you know what, I would, I would give, like, I would just kind of here and there give people tips and lessons. And I really found, um, it really brought me joy to, to, to help someone of, of, of any really skill level, so especially someone who, who just picked up the game to watch them 
uh, be able to like hit a pure, like hit, hit it flush. Um, I, I really, I got a good feeling from that. And that was something kind of want to pursue further, uh, which got me kind of into the wanting to combine my, my golf and my business all in kind of in the same thing. Well, yeah, if you go back, like all the way back to 1999 and 2000, that's when you really got into competitive golf and you were pretty damn good. Um, I, <laughs> I see you're in, in 99, you won the Manitoba Juvenile Championship and then you got first in 2000 uh, for the Canadian Future Links Prairie Championship. Uh, is that something where you're just naive going into it and it's like, hey, maybe I can win or why can't I win? But then you go in and you, and you win these things. I had a pretty strong, even leading up to that in like 99, 2000, there was, there was, back then there was a lot more um, like one day kind of junior, small junior events that courses would put on. Um, and I had a lot of success kind of in those. So when I got into the bigger stuff, like the provincial junior and, and those future links, it was, I was more comfortable just playing in a lot of the, the one day club events, knowing that I was, I was competing at, at a high level and those no, it kind of gave me the confidence that at, at the next step I could be as, as uh, successful. Yeah. Well, I remember it was, it was around that time and your name kept on coming up cause I was working at a Cinnaboyne golf club at a very young age, <laughs> uh, starting at, starting at 12. And okay. it was always like, who is this Peter Moore guy? Cause he keeps on winning everything and just time and time again, your name would come up and come up and come up. And the, the competition must've still been pretty stiff though back then. Oh yeah, like uh, when I was playing at Rossmore, when we were starting, we had uh, a guy by the name of Brad Curtin and a guy by the name of Kevin Kotick. Oh yeah, and a guy by the name of Steve Crampton that were all really, Decent. really good. <laughs> very, very. Um, and then actually after that, a young man by the name of Scott Lowen was coming up just behind us too. So we had a nice, really good group of guys to play with there. And I mean, that is a huge, huge thing as well. If, if you're if you're playing a lot of your golf with um, with good players, that's going to only make you better. Is that where you found the competitive juices really going? And that's kind of what pushed you over the top? Definitely. I mean, we, we were, we were play we played our golf together every day. So we were the, the four and five of us were pushing each other pretty hard every day out there, um, which helped. And even before those guys, uh, my, I played with a guy, his name by the name of Darren Magda, who was an extremely good golfer as well. He made a, he made a couple going in cup teams, I believe for sure. One. Um, and they actually ended up winning the, uh, the Canadian Willing a Cup Championship, I think in '97, I believe. I'm not sure about that year, but he, playing with him a lot too. Like he's a little older than me, but when I was like 12 and and playing with him, he was that kind of shows you kind of a path to go down for sure. And then, so you you're kind of playing all that competitive golf uh, as a junior, and that kind of translated yep. into amateur and mid amateur and match play championships. But in 2001, I believe it was, you won the the match play. That's correct. Yep. So what age would you, would you have been? Cause you would have been competing against everybody. I was, that was the, I think that was my last year of junior. I believe I was 18 that year. I wow. think. Mm. And, uh, yeah, beat Gavin you look final. That was a, that was a memorable one. Nice. Yeah. So well, say, take us back to that. Was there, were there any jitters? Uh, I, I don't, there, I mean, I guess there were, I had won the juniors the year before. So it was kind of, I kind of got my first big win. So it was kind of, I was a little bit more comfortable from that, but uh, I mean, I was playing at, like, I played Gary, Gary Coleman in the semifinals too. And he's like, he was a, he's an all time legend of the game. He's in the hall of fame. And so I was kind of a, a bit nerve wracking playing at Pine Ridge. And he's a, he was always like just such a wily veteran guy, right? All the experience, but um, I think getting that beat being able to get through that match kind of gave me the confidence that uh, 
I was going to be able to take care of business in the final at Rossmer because I was just where I was a member at the time. So I was kind of, I was kind of feeling pretty good after beating Gary there in the semi. Home field advantage. Home field advantage always, uh, <laughs> always helpful for sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, then also I guess take us back to uh, the 2010 the the Manitoba Amateur Championship. What was that feeling like on the 18th green in the final day? Uh, that was that was probably that was one of the best feelings that you could ever that I've ever had for sure. I mean, I just joined Breezy Bend that year in 2010, and uh, I coming coming there, and the amateur was there, and kind of just all set up perfect for me. And I mean. My dad, I remember my dad being out there on the 18th green and, and kind of being able to walk down that fairway. I had a fairly substantial lead and, uh, uh, that was, yeah, that was a, that was a good day. I think it was my birthday that day too. So it was kind of, oh, was oh, up what a day. Happy birthday, Pete. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And so you, so you mentioned that you had just joined Breezy that year and, and the amateur was being hosted at Breezy Bend in 2010. Was that one of the reasons, uh, for joining Breezy at that time or it kind of just worked out? I, w- I was relocating to the other side of the city. Like I was living, I, w- I lived out, out in the West side of the city and, uh, I can, going out to Elmhurst was getting a little too much distance to travel every day. Right. Um, so yeah, it was, it was kind of, um, just no brainer. I had known Corey a little bit like the, they had the, the Manitoba mid amateur at breezy bend in 2008, which I had played in and I really enjoyed the course and, and Corey is just such a fantastic, fantastic general manager. He, I've never seen any person, um, the relationship he has, he, the relationship he has with all of his members is, off the charts. So that kind of drew me to, to, to wanting to play there. Just basically him, just the way he, the kind of person he is and the kind of, uh, uh, general manager was just that kind of sold it for me. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I would say that, uh, you know, being a member at Breezy would give you an advantage over everyone else, but looking at the, uh, the leaderboard from that year, Garth Collins and Jesse Skelton finished just behind you that year, who were both, uh, members at Breezy there. And, and, uh, but obviously you had some familiarity with the course because of, uh, being sure. a member there. Absolutely, for sure. I was uh, we we played a lot that year, and I mean it's a fun, very really funny funny story. I played a lot of golf that year with Jesse. We played we played pretty much four or five days a week. We would play at like ten in the morning, and he we would play all the time. And he beat me. I would say if I was going to just estimate, I I would say he beat me about ninety five percent of the time when we played our normal games, like just during the day, like he was on fire back then. He was unstoppable, but I just kind of got hot at the right time. And he hadn't, uh, he was kind of in the spot where he had never got broken through in a big tournament, like making the, making the amateur team at that point for him was a kind of a big, big deal. Like it was kind of, that was his step. And then the next year he went on to win everything. So yeah. And Garth, it it looks like Garth, uh, Garth Collins won the year before and then you won and then Jesse won the next year. So breezy Ben had, uh, three club winners of the Manitoba amateur championship, uh, in a row, which is pretty good. Yeah. We, uh, we had a pretty strong group there and I mean, they still have a very strong group there. A lot of, uh, a lot of the best players in Manitoba are definitely uh, um, Breezy Bend members these days. So it's that also helps. Like just as I was saying before, the the guys you're playing against day in and day out, they're gonna that's gonna make yeah, that's gonna push you to to get your game to the next level for sure. One of the things I wanted to ask you about that uh, 2010 Manitoba Amateur Championship was uh, your second round 
You scored a 67, you were five under par, and you had eight birdies that day. <laughs> How do you manage to get eight birdies? I mean, because you're good. Yeah. I don't really even. <laughs> I don't even really remember. I think I blacked out halfway through, but uh, <laughs> no, it was, uh, that was one of my, that was actually at the time, probably one of my lowest scores that I'd ever shot. And it just so happened that uh, it was at the perfect time sort of thing. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I remember, I do remember, um, I remember hitting it on the 14th green, the short par four and I hit it on the green and, and being like, oh man, like this is going pretty well. <laughs> and then I remember making about, I made about 30 foot from off the green on 18 to, to shoot five under so that was pretty uh pretty That's special awesome. as well yeah i i once got five birdies in a round at tuxedo but i shot a an 84 so <laughs> you can do the, do the math there five birdies nothing to sneeze at i'll tell you that no I had, got a, couple a, a handful of w, double bogeys to go with that oh, yeah but that's okay that's fine <laughs> I, i'm just gonna toot a horn because i always have to, to toot a cinnamon golf club's horn because that's where i started so both garth collings and oh. jesse skelton Members at a Cinnaboyne. Wow. Yeah. That, it made them go. great. It made them great. That didn't come up in my research. <laughs> it's all locked away. It's locked away in my mind palace. I love it. I love it. And that year, 2010, so the year you won the amateur, you also won the match play and the Elmhurst Invitational. So you were just on fire that year. Yeah, that was a, that was, that was a good year for me. I was, uh, I was, I, my game was, uh, was, was definitely at its, at its part of probably one of the best it's ever been at that time. And, uh, yeah, I was, I was, I was hot. I felt like I was, if I was playing, if I played well, that I was, I was probably going to win, which is uh, definitely a special feeling to have, to be able to feel like that for sure. Yeah. I don't know that feeling, but <laughs> that, 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 that's, that's why we wanted to talk to you exactly. and, and Wilkie just to kind of <laughs> pull in some of that championship feeling, uh, which, absolutely. which is nice. I, yeah. I, I mean, Absolutely. Soak it in. Soak it in. I wish I could soak some of it back in still these days for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Relive it. What, what was it, the difference yeah. then playing on the Manitoba level than representing the province on a national level, level whether it's uh, with the, the Manitoba team or with you playing in the Canadian amateur? Was there a different feeling? Was there a different vibe at those national tournaments? Well, I mean, for sure. These like you're playing, going to those, going to the Canadian amateur, you're playing against guys that are playing that are playing 12 months a year that are going to college that are, you know, having they're they're built for this stuff. Like I played, I played with Adam Hadwin before I played with, wow. I played at basically the same time as Nick Taylor. I played, I used to play junior lots with Graham with the Um, so, I mean, when you're, when you're going to play in the Canadian amateur, you're, this is top notch talent that, that, yeah. that that's out there. I mean, I remember playing my last one. I played in 2010. I was playing with a, with a guy from Vanderbilt in the, in the last round and he had me off the tee on probably about four or five occasions by over 100 yards. Oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> well, and you had mentioned Adam Hadwin uh, you were playing against, but I also noticed that uh, Mackenzie Hughes and Corey Connors were in the same uh, uh, field as you in, in one of those Canadian amateurs. Yeah. He, uh, I, I, 2008 and 2010, I believe, uh, I, I believe they were both in those fields. I, I think so. Um, I think actually I might have nipped Corey Connors in those tournaments. From, yeah, from what I, I think remember. you did. Yeah, that's what I saw. You know. Yeah, I can't, I can't write, quite recall, but, but yeah. Uh, yeah, Mike's I the stat have. guy. Yeah, yeah, well, you placed uh, top 40 in, two, uh, in 2008 and in 2010. Uh, 2008 was out in Paradise Canyon Golf and Country Club in Alberta. And uh, 2010 uh, was at the London Hunt 
Hunt Club and Red Tail Golf and Country Club in Ontario. What a what a mouthful. mouthful. Yeah, no kidding. That's but, a DQ uh, cake mouthful right there. No kidding. Yeah. Tongue twister. What is one question about the Canadian amateurs? Uh, it looked like they had uh, experimented with some match play format from 1995 to 2006. And looking at some of your career highlights, it seems like you've had some success in match play events. Is that a, a format that you prefer over stroke play or you just, uh, you enjoy that competition of match play? Match play was definitely more of a strength for, for, for me uh, personally. My, um, I was never the kind of guy who was going to really go and shoot extremely low scores. So in 72 holes of stroke play, when you're playing against really talented fields, these guys are got these guys are going to shoot. There's guys that are going to go and shoot some really really low scores. Um, I always felt in match play that there was a bit like the the one v one sort of mentality where if like some with some gamesmanship and some mental things going on, I always felt like that was uh, I kind of I I, I strive strive in that. Um, also, just my, the way I my game was like I was very like accurate off the tee and I was always could putt short putts well and I always felt like in match play if you can do those two things you're always going to be you're not going to give any holes away right so you're going to be a tough out yeah sounds like uh, you could be maybe a little bit intimidating on the <laughs> golf course I am mentally fragile <laughs> on the golf course so i wouldn't do very well <laughs> regardless well, these, days, these days i need to have about three or four beers before i play or i'm a little mentally <laughs> that's bad. right that's right <laughs> that's kind of like us on this show that's, <laughs> that's how many we need to get going <laughs> gets us gets us through the door absolutely so what, what was kind of the transition like i guess you're still kind of a, an amateur as well but what was that transition like to say okay i'm going to become a teacher now and teach the game to to people who you know love the game or want to get better at the game yeah like I, I felt like my playing my playing time is coming near near to the close I mean I'm not saying that if I if my game's okay and I'm playing I, I, I wouldn't at some point look into playing maybe some pro events at some point in my life that that's not I'm not going to rule that out but I think more my focus now is kind of learning the business side of golf and uh, and the teaching and, and and getting people kind of letting them kind of live some of the experience that I had, how good the game was to me, kind of passing that on to other people just for them to get the, the joy and excitement out of, out of the game is definitely something I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to. And have you seen something different about maybe how you learned the game or were, were taught the game compared to how it is taught now, like with technology improving so, so vastly? I'm, I'm still very old school for sure. Like, um, my, uh, I still have the same irons I've had since 1999. So technology wise, I'm kind of still behind the curve. Um, but I, like I said, I have a lot to learn on, on, on that side of things. So I'm kind of just taking it day by day and, uh, soaking as much information as I can. As long as you're not using your junior clubs as <laughs> the same, uh, one of our previous guests here was, was still using their junior clubs and, and he's uh, 32 now. So <laughs> <laughs> They're actually not far off. I think I used. I think uh, I think I may have used these exact irons when I won the junior in two thousand. I think I may have done that. Wow. So what, what's in the bag right now? Uh, well, those irons. I also have a. Uh, I have a nineteen ninety five white zebra ram putter that I still use. It's actually <laughs> a friend of mine's mom's putter. I took it out of their basement one day when we were there. I just kind of stole it. Um, so, yeah, so that's, thanks. That's the putter. <laughs> I have a, a Titleist PT three wood that uh, 
Tiger used to use in the early 2000s. It may even be the same one. It may even be older than that. I'm not even sure, but that's the three wood. And I have a uh, 2005, or no, sorry, 2012 uh, Rocket Ball tailor-made driver. So I'm kind of living in the past, but wow. uh, it works, so I change it, right? Exactly. Yeah, it seems to be working for you as well. Uh, and you're also uh, at Breezy Band. You, you talked about the talent that is there. Uh, you were a 12, member of 12 championship Monday Putter League teams. Um, I'm not sure. Yeah, that could be correct. That, okay. that may vary. With that, that's what I counted, Jordan. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 12 championship Monday putter league teams, most recently back-to-back champions in uh, 2019 and 2020. Those are the funnest things for sure for me. I, I always thought like back in those years when I was playing competitively all the time, if you didn't win the putter league, it wasn't a successful year because the putter league, being able to win with all your buddies and everyone is involved, that was for me, that was the best feeling. And I mean, the putter league has been so important uh, in my life. I remember my watching my dad and his buddies play back at Elmhurst when I was really young and being like, wow, this is so much fun. All your friends get to go out and try to win together. Um, yeah, there's nothing better than the putter league. It's, I'm going to miss being able to play putter league. It was, it was, I, I, that was probably the most joy I ever had in almost in life. I, I really, really, really loved it. And I mean, Steve Bannatine ran the league for, for years and did a fantastic job. And uh, now Jay Doyle's taken over running the league and he's mm-hmm. just kept the tradition going. And um, yeah, it's, I can't say enough good things about the Potter League. Yeah. Sounds like a great time to get out some good competitive golf. Um, yeah. w- one of our previous guests, uh, Luke Valgertson, who plays in the Monday putter league for the, uh, the Assiniboine golf course. I think they're in division B, mm-hmm. uh, nothing, right. nothing to sneeze at, <laughs> but uh, I had asked him, why is it called, Monday Putter League, and he didn't know, and I thought it was just called Monday Putter League because it p- takes place on Mondays. So I'm asking you, right. do you know why it's called Monday Putter League? It's named after the gentleman, I believe. I don't know if he started the league or he ran the league, but it was uh, it was named after him. That's where the uh, the meaning came from. But you and I would not be the only one who thought it was called Monday because. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Pretty much everyone thought that for a long time. Yeah, exactly. So after doing uh, the normal amount of research one would do in this <laughs> on this subject. All of it. You uh, did all of it. Like you got a bunch of sheets here. I, I, now, bear with me here, Pete. Uh, I, I found out a few things here. So the Mundy Potter League is named after Jim Mundy, who was a well-known local Manitoba golfer and official. Uh, so in 19... Sorry, go ahead. Um, no, that, that sounds good. Yeah, yeah. So Jim Mundy, and then in uh, 1957, uh, so representatives from four Winnipeg golf courses got together to start the league, Southwood, Niaqua, Pine Ridge, and Charleswood. And then since then, the league's grown to include 16 different clubs. There's your history lesson. That, that's, I, I love it. <laughs> yeah. I love it. And you mentioned Steve Bannantyne. And now the uh, the the trophy, the cup that you win, the Bannatine Cup, is uh, is named after him. So, who he won two, yeah. two Manitoba amateurs and many other golf uh, accolades. Yeah, from what I from what I've heard, um, like my dad and him were, were fairly close, and he, my dad said, when Steve was at his prime, he was as close to unbeatable as as pretty much anybody. And and you mentioned your dad, uh, and I, I found some some other info here. Uh, Terry Moore is the name. In in 2017, he was an honored member of the Manitoba Golf Hall of Fame. And uh, one of the interesting stats was uh, 
Terry and his son, Peter Moore, are the only father-son duo to each win both the Manitoba Junior and Amateur Championships. That's pretty amazing. That is, yeah, that's a special one for sure. He, uh, he was, he, I, that meant, meant a lot to him. I'm, I, I remember just that day winning the amateur that, and uh, he, he was, he was right up to date with that. He was, he was very happy with that, but yeah, that's, I mean, I don't really know much I can say. It's, it's an honor to, to be able to do that. My dad and just a group, my best friend for so long and to, to, for, to share that with him is something that's, that's really special. Absolutely. One of the questions I ask, uh, on the, on the here is that, uh, do you remember the first time you beat your father in golf or have you beat your father in golf? <laughs> the first time I beat him. Oh, I can't, I don't know if I can remember that. It may have been at Kildonan. That's funny. Is that oh, it? Nice. Wow. Something, something to look at. I, I think that, that I might've been like 13, 14 or 15, maybe the first time I beat him. Nice. I don't know for sure, but, uh, he he taught me lots of lessons on the course. There was there was a day there was a day at Rossmere. Uh, we were playing in just like late nine holes, and and I was complaining as usually as I usually do out there that my low I'm never getting a good lie and blah blah. blah and, that. and I remember him putting his ball and hammering it into a divot and hitting whatever his mid iron is eight iron or seven iron and just hitting it to about six feet from the hole. And wow. he's like, "You're gonna complain about your lie now?" And yeah. that was, I really had nothing else to say again That's forever hilarious. after that. Well, I think uh, Mooney, one of our other guests, mm-hmm. he the first time he beat his dad was at Kildonan Park. Right, yeah. So if that you're seems looking to be the track, if you're looking to beat your dad at golf, go to Kildonan Park. Exactly, take him to the monster. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Uh, with with golf uh, really kind of getting under underway now, really early start to the season. What do you do? to prepare for the golf season like do you do any workouts do you go and, and hit the range or you kind of just get out there and hit the ball i was when i was playing when i was younger i i, I spent a lot of time at the golf home in the winter just yep. swinging keeping keeping just just to keep swinging right um but my prep was never as much as you guys are doing today for sure like i would i would hit balls but uh but nothing really more than that. I'm sure I could lose, definitely still could have been and used some work on my diet and uh, fitness. <laughs> no question about that. But uh, especially with things the way things are these days, it's uh, got to be, got to make a strong effort to get out and get active for sure. But yeah, preparation before uh, seasons was just kind of, like I said, the dome a bit, but more recently just kind of go out and see what you got. And now at, at Kingswood with uh, them them opening up, uh, what are you guys doing for that? You guys are, are booked solid. Yeah, we're uh, we're booked we're booked solid for the next three days here. It's uh, with the nice weather starting, um, but uh, yeah, it's it's I, it was a lot of a lot of prep work going on. It's going to be there's probably going to see some chaotic times over the next this weekend here, but uh, I'm sure we'll get through it. Yeah, well, that, that's always got to be be fun kickstarting uh, the year. And, and Kingswood, a, a great tournament course as well. We always have the St. James Canucks Golf Tournament there. There's numerous mm-hmm. golf tournaments uh, that, that go on there. And it's it's a great course for that. It's a great course for the community uh, as well there in, in LaSalle. It's always generally in, in pristine condition. And you mentioned uh, Darren McMillan. So how did you hook up with him? Uh, through a mutual friend, we, uh, we kind of met last summer a little bit. Like I had known Darren a little bit before, but... Mm-hmm. Uh, I kind of mentioned that I was kind of getting onto this side of things and he was kind of looking for someone, um, kind of to help him out. So I, like, it's just a perfect fit. Darren's a great guy. I'm going to really enjoy learning from him. Um, and I mean, Kingswood, we've got a lot of, a lot of good things going on there. There's a, there's a new green sea keeper, a new chef, 
So it's going to be mm-hmm. a lot of exciting things going on at Kingswood this year. And I mean, like you said, the tournaments are going to be great and uh, it should be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to it. I think that's the one underestimated thing. And one person or group of people we should get on here are the greenskeepers or the maintenance staff, because mm-hmm. that can single-handedly change the golf course for you. And uh, I know sure. having you played at Breezy Bend and, and now at Kingswood, just, just how important is, you know, a greenskeeper to the overall golf experience? Definitely, definitely important. I mean, um, Breezy, um, Craig at Breezy was fantastic. He, he came over a few years ago and he was, he just made the course phenomenal. Um, so yeah, it's extremely important. I mean, the golf course has to be in, in somewhat of, uh, you know, in the best shape possible. That's how you're going to draw people in to come back and, and repeat playing. Um, definitely, definitely for sure. And I think that at Kingsville, we're kind of getting that, uh, getting that vibe going that we're going to, we're going to get to get that golf course into as good shape as possible. And, and, uh, and kind of continue continue what's building what we're building. And how often now would you you get to play the uh, in the year? I know this year will be a little bit different because you're transitioning into kind of the professional world. But before that, how often would you play? I was playing the last few years. I was probably playing about thirty to forty times a year. I'd say, like probably the last three or four years. Uh, this year, I'm probably not going to get to play very much. Uh, I, I I'll be I'll really enjoy when I do get to go out. But like I said, focusing more on on what Darren needs in the business side of things is going to be, uh, is going to be the main, the main thing for me. And how, I know you still kind of had to have some old technology. Well, in some cases, really old technology <laughs> in the bag, but have you tried <laughs> tried any of the, the new technology out? Have you noticed a difference? I haven't really hit any other clubs. Just I was pretty locked in on what I was doing. Um, I mean, trying another a new driver would be something that I would see my, could see myself doing, but I think like, I'm kind of set with what I have. I, obviously, if the opportunity came up to try some new stuff and try some new clubs, I'm not going to say no. Um, but I was just so comfortable with what I had and I kind of knew what, what I could do with it and just felt like I was in control using the equipment. That's why I really never, never thought of even changing. Well, that's even mentioning how you were in match play. It seems like when you're at that level, is it really more of the mental aspect of the game as opposed to the physical aspect? Hundred percent. The, the the game in my mind is is ninety nine percent mental. You gotta you gotta think your way around, setting it up for their next shot. Um, course management's huge, and like that's that's something as well that I'm gonna enjoy teaching people how to how to manage the game to the maximum potential. I think everyone has their strengths. Kind of your game plan has to fit what your strengths are. And we hear course management a lot because we talked to Sandy Kersiba, who is uh, a touring pro as well as the, the professional now at, at Hecla. And they mentioned course okay. management. So to you, like what is course management? Course management is having a plan on every hole. You're going to scout to every hole on the course you're going to play and give yourself the maximum chance, like the highest percent chance to make the lowest score. So sometimes if that's, you know, laying it back with a short, with a, with an iron off the tee, is that that's going to take out a big number more often than not, then maybe that's the play. It's, it's kind of you measuring yourself of what you, what your strength is going to be and how that's going to benefit in the long run. It's interesting you, you say that because I was, I was looking at your website and uh, you actually would go out on the course and, and do lessons on a round. Is that correct? Absolutely. Playing lessons that we have that that's kind of a thing that we're going to be working on uh, for sure. But um, yeah, I think that's actually one of the best lessons someone can get kind of an on course mental lesson. Once you've kind of got your fundamentals locked in, 
to take the next step and to lower your scores, the on-course lesson is definitely something that I'd uh, recommend to anyone who wants to improve their golf game. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that's something I've always thought about. You know, I've, I've taken lessons in the past and you just go to the driving range and you're just hitting balls with a mid iron and maybe the odd time they let you pull out the driver. But I think it, it would be so valuable to me to go out, go through the course, you know, you know, be taught how to look at a hole, you know, how to, like you said, course management, you know, what to, what club to play in different situations. How do I, you know, chip? How do I putt? What are these things? <laughs> how do I play the game how of golf? How do I play the game of golf? <laughs> what do I order from the bar cart? You know, like yeah. all of those things. Yeah. What beverage can, yeah, exactly. Tying with beverage can, uh, can peak your performance as well. That's also important. Exactly. Sure. You know, is it, is it a beer, a hole that is successful or a beer every third hole? Right. <laughs> or do you get right into the whiskey right at the start? Exactly. Like that's, that's you, know? that way. you also have to monitor that as well. <laughs> well, it is 18 over par of the podcast, so you know where we're coming from. Exactly. <laughs> we're trying to get better, though. We're trying to get better. We, we enjoy Absolutely. the game of golf. Yeah. The yeah. desire, the desire to get better is uh, that's you're you're on the right track. That's the that's what the that's the most important step. Well, I know you mentioned the how how confident you are and good you are at, at the short putts. So for someone like me who sometimes struggles with that, what can you do, or do you just need to go pick up a ram putter? Uh, well, that definitely, yeah. The, the zebra will cure your short putting ill for sure. Um, but if I was going to give you one, just one quick kind of thing. I always, I was taught this kind of early. Um, if you're, if you're missing, if you're missing short putts, I mean, even in any distance of putt, it's very, very important to keep everything still. Keeping your head down, listen for the ball to go in. If you have a three footer, a four footer, don't even look up. Just keep your head where it focus right where you were on the ball and just listen for the ball to go in. That was something that I was taught early and it seemed like my short putting improved once I start kind of putting that into, into effect. Mm. See, I've never done that. You always want to look, right? You want to sneak a peek. Absolutely. You want to see where it is, but if mm-hmm. the, any bit of movement, that little bit of movement can make it, you know, lip out or just kind of graze the edge. Yeah. Or I see the bar cart in the distance. I'm like, oh, wait. <laughs> <laughs> it's a gimme. Yeah, it's a gimme. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, do you have any more of the questions or should we get into the back nine lightning round? I think it's time for the back nine lightning round. All right. The back nine lightning round is presented by Jamie Wilkie and the new Winnipeg Dodge Chrysler Jeep Ram Fiat in the Point West Auto Park. You can improve your ride and your drive by go checking out Jamie Wilkie. You can check him out, winnipegdodge.com. Thank you so much for supporting our show. Absolutely. Buy local, baby. Go Jeep. Yeah, he's been selling a lot of stuff. He hasn't sold oh, yeah. us yet, but he's been selling. No. Car sales are through <laughs> the roof. Yeah. He knows what he's doing. He knows what he's doing. Everyone's cooped up at home and they just want to buy new cars, I guess. <laughs> yeah. And new houses. <laughs> they want to drive to play. They want to drive to the golf course. That's right. And you want a nice looking Jeep to get to that golf course. For sure. Look good, feel good, play mediocre. <laughs> right. Yeah. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so the back nine lightning round here, Pete, uh, so okay. we've got a, a collection of questions here, uh, that we're going to run through. And, um, Great. the first question, I'm a little we, nervous, but I'll, I'll oh, you'll be fine. It'll be fine. <laughs> the first question is, have you ever got a hole in one? I have one hole in one. Oh. Third hole at Rossmer. Ooh. Third hole at Rossmer. Do you remember it? I do. I was, I think I was 13 or 14, three wow. iron 
199 back left pin, one bounce. Holy smokes. Jeez. To be that young and yeah. you got a hole in one. I but you haven't got one since, right? I quit it. <laughs> no, not even, not probably not even very close since. <laughs> That's great. Um, so uh, recent rule changes allow you to putt with the pin in. Do you putt with the pin in or do you putt with it out? Long ones, I would have no problem with it in. Anything makeable, eight feet in, got to come out. I think, and that's kind of what tradition, or you know, what we've been seeing from uh, the better players, you know, <laughs> yeah, the better players we've the talked better to, better players who, you know, they played a lot of golf when this rule wasn't even a thing, right? So you're just used to right. pull, pulling that pin, and uh, yeah. I've, I've only become reasonably mediocre in the last two years, so uh, <laughs> I, <laughs> I keep that pin in, and I pull it out if it's uh, you know within three feet or something, but um, yeah. It's just hearing that sound yeah. well even then like on short putts like you were saying pete you in, just, in just listen wind, for the sound yeah, like, or the shadow of the flag or something like that like the mm-hmm. shadow of the flag oh, right the yeah I, that's yeah. distracting yeah i align sure. my i often try and align my putt to the shadow of the flag <laughs> never works out okay <laughs> yeah i can see that oh there's, that, there's merit there for sure so uh so you're not that far off mike oh perfect good no. well we'll we'll uh, work on that on when we go through a lesson on the uh, on the course together for sure yeah. i like that uh so next question here where do you like to play regularly in manitoba Obviously, you've been a uh, you know you've been a part of Breezy Bend. There, you're now at Kingswood. Where else are, do you like to play in Manitoba? I always thought that the best test, like the overall best test of golf, was at Elmhurst. I found if you could play well there, you could pretty much play well anywhere. Um, so that's definitely I always enjoy going back, going back and playing there. Um, that would be one of my favorites for sure. Other than that, I, you know what, I, there's still a couple courses that I've heard good things that I've never gone to play. I'd like to go and see Nipah. I've heard really good things mm-hmm. about that. Yeah. Um, Granite Hill, beautiful place. Yeah. Nipah, very, uh, very nice. They're actually hosting the Manitoba amateur championship right. there this, this summer. So that's, I, that's interesting. I think mm-hmm. you're correct. Yeah. Yeah. Registration yeah. I think is open yeah. up now through Gulf Manitoba. Yeah. And one of, one of the interesting things about Elmhurst is I think they hosted a Canadian amateur there uh, in 2014, which I was I thought all those Canadian amateurs would be you know in Ontario or BC. So it's good to see yeah, that, that they they're did coming host to Manitoba. One, yeah, for, yeah. yeah, it's a good yeah, track. A bit of elevation changes. I've never I've never played Elmhurst. So yeah, it's got a good track. It has some elevation changes, and it's yeah. it's yeah. sneaky well, tough. Elmy's, Elmy's great. Yeah, mm-hmm. sneaky tough. You gotta you gotta you gotta keep it. You gotta hit it straight. You gotta be able to like it, it tests all aspects. Around the greens, you got some undulation, good fast greens, tough to read, lots of good, lots of things there will test your game. Cool. Um, so next one here, uh, obviously, competition uh, has brought you to some pretty nice courses. What is what would you say is the most memorable course you've ever played? The top course you've ever played? I played in the. I believe it was in the. I don't even know. I can't even remember. It must have been in the Canadian. Must have been one of maybe my first Canadian amateurs at Shaughnessy out west there in in, uh, in BC. That was a memorable, memorable course for me. Nice. Yeah, I've heard of that yeah, one. So. I never never been there yet. <laughs> we'll put it on the list. The Canadian, I'm pretty sure they had the Canadian Open there a couple times, and I just remember like the greens being like 14 on the stem meter. It was Whoa. like they were locked. <laughs> how did you like, do? You remember how you shot? I, you know what? I that's back when it was match play. I made I made the oh. matches. I remember I, I I was I shot 73 in the first round of the uh, of the qualifying, and that was like good enough to be like in the top 15. That's how hard the course was. Wow. Um, 
And then I kind of wasn't as great the second day. So I was playing a guy from Saskatchewan by the name of Kent Eager and in the first round. And like the lowest score of all the qualifying was like maybe one under. Like that had been the lowest of the first two days. And so we go out and he just shoots 30 on the front nine. And that was, <laughs> wow. and that was Jeez. Jeez. <laughs> Where's the whiskey? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was a long walk. And I think we were walking in on... Uh, from like 11 green or 12 C and I'm just like, Oh, it was a long walk. And I'm thinking, Oh yeah, yeah, that was, that wasn't great. <laughs> <laughs> JR, I bet those greens were faster than my, uh, than putting on my gold floors. Right? <laughs> <laughs> we always it joke. Probably Mike. wouldn't have been far off. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Pete. Uh, next one here. Do you have a bucket list course other than Augusta? We've taken Augusta off the board because everyone just kept saying Augusta. So something you've right. never played before, but you want to. I mean, there's all the the, the normal ones, right? The uh, the Pebble Beach, the Sawgrass. Those ones are the ones that always come to mind. Mm-hmm. But I'm trying to think of something a little different. I heard um, Sergio or somebody talking about like Valderrama was uh, like a fantastic course. I've never really even don't even know it, but maybe something something um, in Europe would be something like oh, maybe yeah, somewhere yeah. in Europe would be kind of cool to play. That'd be cool. Yeah. And then uh, same or, same question, but a bucket list course in Manitoba. Is there something in Manitoba you've never played before, but you, you always wanted to get to? Nipua. Nipua, definitely. Right. Yeah, Nipua. We're playing out there uh, in June for uh, Crown Royal Cup. Shout out to Stephen Needham. Uh, <laughs> little tournament we got going. But we played uh, the Harambe Memorial. Nipua was uh, one of the courses we included oh, in, the, in the Harambe Memorial Golf Invitational. But uh, That sounds no, like a blast. Yeah, it was. It is a blast. <laughs> Not the, quite the Elmhurst Invitational, but no. it's close. <laughs> yeah, and it's an Invitational, so there's only eight guys. Exactly. It's on the list. Right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, next awesome. next one here. Uh, what is your career low round? Not even in competition, just your lowest recorded score. Uh, well, I played. It Kildonan counts as a course. I I mm-hmm. did sixty at Kildonan once. Wow, wow. Uh, so that was that was probably my lowest. I bogeyed eighteen hole for sixty. I think that which was <laughs> not my <laughs> lowest. I also once played at Kildonan with my friend Darren that I was we were talking about earlier, and we were combined. 121. He was 60 and I was 61. Wow. Wow. That's pretty good. And how old were, were you when yeah. he did that? I would have been in my mid-teens, probably 16 or 17. Jeez. That's, <laughs> I, and I'm playing uh, Kildon Park tomorrow, so I, I imagine I'll... I'll some, some, there's some, there you, we've set the bar for you. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> 60 on the front nine. You, you got to get under 121. <laughs> 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 yeah. That's perfect. I, I think That's I can perfect. do that. Hopefully. Um, hey, you you got to make sure you get over that trestle. Uh, under yeah. or over. That's what it is. I, I want to try and go <laughs> under it, but uh, so that seems like... It's an, it's an impressive shot to go under. Uh, yeah, well, I got a good I, a good four iron punch, you know, half swing. <laughs> the stinger. Jam it through there. <laughs> Let me know how it goes. <laughs> I will. We can work on it uh, when I come see you out at Kingswood for some lessons. Absolutely. So the, the last one here, our flagship question of the back nine lightning round brought to you by Jamie Wilkie. At the new Winnipeg Dodge, winnipegdodge.com. So the question is, what is your favorite condiment? <laughs> My favorite condiment? Condiment, yeah. yeah. So, you know, you're going... Mustard. Mustard. Hot sauce. Again? Oh, did you say hot sauce? 
Frank's hot sauce or mustard. Wow, another hot sauce. Did you do you like the spice? Because we got a couple people that are on here, like myself, who like yeah. the spice. A couple spicy. Guys. Oh yeah, you need the, you need the spice. Yeah, absolutely. You got to keep it. You got to keep it real. Yeah, keeps it interesting. Well, we always say it adds about ten to twenty yards to your drive. <laughs> For sure. It gives does. you that extra punch. I'd agree. I'd agree. <laughs> there you go. See, wow. it's a try tested and yeah, true. I'll have to uh, include that. I'll get one of those little bottles of Frank's Red Hot for the course and just yeah. put it on something. Just, just light it up. <laughs> put it on the, uh, on the top of the beer can. <laughs> right. <laughs> Speaking of the beer can, I do have to, I, I'd like to, I got to mention that too. My, uh, a friend of mine, they just, uh, they opened a bar last year called the beer can. It was on, uh, nice. it was on main street. They, 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 they recently moved to the, uh, outside the granite curling curling club in Osborne. Great summer spot. If you're, uh, if you're ever looking to have nightly drinks, it's an outside beer garden, right. middle of, in the middle of Osborne, it's middle of that forest. They're down by the curling club. It's going right. to be fantastic. Yeah. I yeah. definitely recommend everybody going to try it out. So, so now you can get your curling game in. Right. I can go, I can, I can work <laughs> on my curling game and drink beer and it's outside. It all works. That's Everything's coming up. Yeah, no kidding. I've heard of that spot. That's a great spot. And they got live music often and they have good local beers. Yeah, it's like yeah, local local beers. Um, they got everything going on. They're gonna have a bunch of activities going on there this year. There's a there's a new new restaurant that they're putting there full time. It's kind of got the uh, the Mexican feel, tacos, stuff like that. Oh, fantastic! The margaritas, I'm sure. So, I like tacos. So it should be uh, it should mm-hmm. be a lot of fun. A lot of fun. And you can get us through the back door if there's a lineup, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, you, you, you're coming to the right place. Yeah. Yes. Well, it's partially outside too, right? Yeah. Most of it's outside. It's, yeah. It's all the whole thing is outside. The whole the whole bar is outside. Yeah. Like it's the sea can is the bar, and then everything, all the seating is all outside. Oh, that's that's, that's phenomenal. Awesome. Yeah. Shout out to the beer can. We'll have yeah. to go visit them this summer. Yeah, definitely. Well, well and, in, and in the winter, we'll just take a rip, go to the curling rink, and have some fun. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, it's got it all down there. Yeah, that's that's phenomenal. Well, uh, Pete, thank you so much for joining us. You can catch you at uh, Kingswood, also golfbypete.com. We really appreciate it. Thanks so much for joining the show. Thanks, Pete. Thank you guys for having me on. It was a blast. It was a blast. So again, this week, I forgot Mikey likes it, which happens because I get too excited to talk to people. So what does Mikey like this week? Well, JR, this week we have a familiar name on the Mikey Likes It stage. OGC, One Great City Brewing. Uh, we're, we're tasting the I Pithy the Fool white grapefruit IPA seasonal that they have on tap right now. Shout out to Mike Porteous for donating a growler to the pod. We're, we're sipping it right now. Twag. JR, what do you think of the uh, Pithy the Fool? It's great. Uh, the first thing I said was... It smells delicious, and it tastes and it tastes just as good. Yeah, you know it's it's crisp, it's hoppy, it's a little bit bitter, which uh, explains its namesake. It's made with the pith of the grapefruit. Pith, really? I pithy oh, I fool. taste that. I Do you taste know what the pith now. of a grapefruit no, is? No, not a, not a clue. It's the white part between the grapefruit meat and the grapefruit skin. <laughs> I call it a grapefruit meat. <laughs> I had to look that up. Is that, is that actually a thing? I don't think it's called grapefruit meat, but you just, the fruit <laughs> part and uh, and the skin. So it's that kind of white spongy, you know, it's, it's uh, so it adds that bitter flavor. The meat, it. the grapefruit meat. The grapefruit meat. Put that on a T-shirt. <laughs> so uh, go visit One Great City at Madison Square. They got great beer, great food, and great schnitzel. <laughs> And lots of other great food, too. They got good B 
beet salad and sandwiches and, and everything. So and they on. have Mike Porteous. And Mike Porteous. Yeah, Mike, thank you so much Mike, for hooking us up. Mike, Mike Porteous. Yeah. <laughs> and this week, uh, we have to touch on it. We usually we like to keep it local, buy local, support local. But everyone is talking about, I'm in two master's pools, uh, which is two. not a record for me, but uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get it there. So the master's is coming up. And as a result, we have a special guest, a master's insider. Masters in spot insider. Yeah. AWOC. Speaking of things being bitter, <laughs> we are here with Adam Walker, who is 18 over par's Masters golf correspondent. We're also the only guy we could get at the last minute who watches a lot of PGA golf. Welcome to the show, Adam. Mm-hmm. So you like to watch golf, do you? <laughs> I do. What an intro. Yeah. I, <laughs> You're welcome. I'd like to say I'm happy to be here, but I'm bitter. So I, <laughs> that's what I got to go you with. You got to smile I on. be the bitter character now. Uh, no, I'm really happy to be here. Watching a lot of golf lately, especially... You know, once once kind of COVID came on the scene, um, and there weren't a lot of other sports on, got really deep into golf, and you know, a degenerate like myself, once you start betting on golf, uh, you, you start getting pretty hooked into it. Yeah. So. How how often do you bet on golf? Oh, every week. Really? I mean, every, every week. absolutely every week. Once I got I got the win. There's the tournament of champions in January. Oh yeah. I got the Harris English at thirty four to one. Wow. So, you know, once Huge. you nail nail the big winner, you can't nice. uh, you can't stop. So. <laughs> so have you lost every week since then? Uh, you know, well, you you win and you lose, right? And so it's a it, it, it's a balance of where your money comes out. One of the things I don't know is where do I make bets for Masters? Obviously, last Masters in November. I uh, downloaded some Russian app and transferred <laughs> money, transferred a bunch of money. And uh, it seemed to be legit in the end, but I was a little worried. So where should I place my bets for this upcoming Masters? Well, you know, uh, in Manitoba here, we've got like Play Now. That's the mm-hmm. actual government website. Um you could kind of go anywhere. I know you guys don't do any free ads, so you need a gambling sponsor here. Uh, you know, like Bet365, Cool yeah. Bet is cool one bet, that yeah. you talk, uh, you hear a hustler talking about yes. on the Winnipeg yeah. Sports Talk. So that's one. Maybe they'll throw you some some dollars and Absolutely. you guys yeah. 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 Well, yeah. We'll can start it. betting there. Give us a call. Get at us. Uh, so let's get into the beet and tomatoes of the Masters Tournament. <laughs> Only four months. The beet meat. The beet meat. The grapefruit meat and tomatoes of the Masters Tournament. Only four months has passed since the last Masters Tournament where we saw Dustin Johnson navigate Augusta like Jacques Cartier. The beast of a course will be equally as challenging and potentially play a lot differently than it did four months ago. So I got a few questions for you, Adam. Let's uh, kick it off here. So it takes a, a special type of player to win at Augusta. I would like to get your take on what makes Augusta challenging and what type of golfer traditionally does well at Augusta. I mean, when you when you first look at Augusta, it's it's pretty long. It's almost seventy five hundred yards, but mm-hmm. PGA Tour that's uh, almost standard. You're going around seven thousand yards no matter where you go. Kind of what one thing that you really look at is they got difficult greens. They got big greens, and they're mm-hmm. you know undulating. You're making a putt. You don't really know where it's going. Uh, it's and that's kind of tough. So you start to think, well, you know, maybe the really good putters are going to succeed here, but. The fact is it kind of evens out the bad putters with the good putters because the greens are so difficult. So what I like to look at is the guys, you know, they got their good irons, good short irons, good wedge games. So Mm -hmm. they could actually 
what like hit the green and place it somewhere where they're going to leave themselves a decent putt around the greens it's tough targets right you got water on one side you got sand on the other side and this is almost every hole <laughs> you, like oh. <laughs> there is super super challenging and if you're not hitting it right like this isn't a course that you can I mean, I'm sure we'll get into Bryson, but you can't just overpower this course. Mm-hmm, you can't right. just blast your way around. For sure. It takes a little bit of precision. Well, let's get right into it then. Uh, who is your top favorite to win the 2021 Masters Tournament? You know, uh, when I look at, uh, obviously, who's in the field, you've got kind of all the top golfers that are playing really well right now. I was listening to the pod the other week, and I heard... Mike calling out uh, JT at the Justin, Players Championship. Justin Thomas, what a guy. Yeah, and uh, when you talk about guys with good irons, Justin Thomas right at the top of the list. Good. JR, uh, what do you think of I'm not going to say Justin anything Thomas. about Justin Thomas. <laughs> <laughs> you got burned yeah, once. I got burned once, Don't never burned again. Twice. <laughs> so that, that's one pick, but that's not my number one guy. Who I'm looking is a little bit further down the uh, board. Not as much of a sexy name, but it's Patrick Cantlay. Oh, wow. interesting. Yeah, he's another guy. He's really good with his irons uh he won a few weeks or a couple months ago at the zozo he's had second at the american express t3 at the pebble beach uh like you said we just had the masters a few months Mm -hmm. ago he tied for 17th there uh last week in the match play he looked pretty good he got bumped eventually but it's the match play you can't put too much Mm -hmm. too much stock into Mm -hmm. that but i really like patrick cantlay and he seems kind of seems like he's a bit of an asshole too and i kind of like that you know you can want that bit of a killer instinct some guy that's gonna go out there and not care if he kind of crushes your dreams mentally strong (laughs) mentally strong exactly what you need there so patrick cantlay that's kind of i'd say that's my best bet i think he's running around 22 25 to 1 right now you could win some money at a forgive my arrogance where's cantlay from I think he's American. He's American. American. Yeah, Yeah, he's American. I've heard of America before. (laughs) (laughs) Been there before COVID. Small country south of here. (laughs) Another guy, like, and obviously you can't ignore DJ Dustin Johnson. Yeah. Like, when the Masters was on in November, he was firing. Like, he was on top of the world. He's taking a bit of a step back, though. And he's... I think last I looked, he's paying nine to one. And, you know, when you got a field of 90 golfers to be paying less than 10 to one, like it's hard, even if you're the best in the world, to pick that one guy right. out of 90. For sure, for sure. So I wouldn't be betting on DJ this no. week. No, well, I mean, who outside of those big name players do you think could contend for a green jacket this year? Uh, when I look a little outside the top guys, uh, this will be borderline. Patrick Reed, another guy, <laughs> kind of a dick. Uh, yeah, kind of? <laughs> kind of, a little, just a little bit. Uh, you know, in 2018, he won it, and his short game is just dynamite, right? Mm-hmm. So his irons are good. His, he's chipping good. He's right around those greens. So he's a guy I like paying about 30 to 1. But, you know, He's almost a big name in himself. Mm-hmm. He, he like he he kind of contends with the DJ and the Justin Thomas and everyone. Another guy who kind of made me some money last year at the Masters was Cam Smith, mm. uh, Australian guy, big mullet, yeah. uh, and <laughs> absolutely awesome around <laughs> the greens. Big right, mullet, he did have yeah. a big mullet. He still does. Still I does. As far as I know, was he came in third la- uh, in November? I, I or? believe he was third or or second. He was right up there, and he was yeah. in competition the He's whole time. He's on my time. list too. Yeah, we're giving he, away all our secrets. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, that's all right. <laughs> <laughs> the Masters pool. We're giving away all our picks here. So if you're in a Masters pool with me, <laughs> yeah, you just steal yeah. the picks. <laughs> uh, but if I could throw another name in there, though, it's. Uh, Maybe a big name, but he's getting a little older. Sergio Garcia. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Uh, 
Great mm-hmm. irons, great ball striker. Not necessarily a great putter, but like I said, these greens, they kind of just even everybody out out there. Right. Uh, in the match play, he hit an ace to win his match at one point there. Uh, he's he's playing well, and he's won before. So Sergio is a guy to look at around 50 to 1. Interesting. Mm, that's not bad. Didn't yeah. think about that mm-hmm. one. So uh, who do you think the experts are favoring too much? Who are they pumping the tires and, and you don't, you don't, they're not buying what they're throwing down? Yeah, I'll just I'll, I'll throw a Bryson here because he's near the top of the board and and he's banging it like he's hitting it hard and the amount of work he's putting in he's great off the tee he's great on the greens but I'm just not sold necessarily on his irons game you, you saw what tournament was it when he was blasting it across the water on the par five and he's got his arms up in the air when this drive's still out there uh, and he gives himself a shorter layup than anybody else and right. he misses the green still because the irons just aren't there. So I, I feel like Augusta is is kind of the course that, that maybe isn't made for him. And you sure. even saw before you know, last year's Masters, he said it plays like a par 67 for him. When it's a par 72, it kind of disrespectful Absolutely. to to Augusta yeah. to say something like the, that. I've, the golf gods got him back. Yeah, I feel like <laughs> karma's coming for him and and, and it doesn't uh, it doesn't wear off this quickly. So no. uh, I, I'm I'm staying away from Bryson this week. For sure. And uh so who do you what what's what's off the map here? Who's the deepest long shot that you think actually has a chance to win or at least place in the top ten? So I'll throw out a name here. You maybe even haven't heard of him before, and it's C.T. Pan. Oh. He's, uh, I believe he's from China. Yeah. Uh, he's been playing in the States for a while here, though. Uh, he's He was a T3 at Honda. That was his last tournament. And at the Masters in November, he was T7. Um, so he's he can play the course. Mm-hmm. He's a good golfer. He's won before. He won a couple of years ago at, uh, I believe, RBC Heritage thing is he's missed like six of the last 10 cuts. He's not, he's not the kind of guy that's out there competing every single week, but he's been, he's in form. And I think that uh, maybe this course plays okay for him. He's paying two fifty or three hundred to oh, win, yeah. so you know, <laughs> not a bad throw, deal. Yeah, put throw <laughs> down five bucks or throw down ten bucks, and you're coming out with a couple thousand. So you know, like, what do you got to lose? Why not exactly. five or ten bucks? Yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, I, you might just be burning your money. So don't don't come crying to me if you don't win that one. That's a long shot. <laughs> the Masters accordingly. Yeah, telling it like it is. <laughs> so one of the things I haven't heard yet is is any Canadian. Names so we in the Canadian in the field are uh, three Canadians that I know of right now and, and that could be expanded uh, depending on the outcome of, of this week. Um, so Mike Weir, he's uh, forever a Canadian golf hero for being the first Canadian to win the Masters. There's uh, Mackenzie Hughes, only has played in one Masters event in 2017 where he missed the cut. He'll be looking to improve on that this year. And then the the young Canadian. Stud Corey Connors uh, tied for tenth last, at last year's Masters. So, how do you think those guys are gonna fare at the 2021 Masters? You know, I, I like all of them. It's hard to kind of say a bad word about any of those guys. Canadian golf, in particular, is in a great place right now. You got, you know, Mackenzie Hughes and Connors are legitimate golf stars right now you got a few other guys that compete uh, on a weekly basis you know nick taylor and uh, roger sloan a couple other guys 
Mike oh. Weir, like you said, absolute golf legend, best golfer all time. And he he made the cut last year. He's 50 years old. He really? made the cut yeah, at the, at did, the Masters. He? I think he finished type 50 him or and, something like that. I mean, uh, Bernard Langer, how old is he? <laughs> he's, he's like he's 60. in his 60s. Yeah. He looks like Rod Stewart. Yeah. You know, like, like, <laughs> how the fuck is he still competing? <laughs> but, you know, uh, to answer the question. He's got two though, fake hips. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, once you get the two hip replacements, you yeah. hear that on a previous that, pod. That's when you start the that's really when you really turn up. things around. <laughs> yeah, but you know, like I uh, realistically, Mike Weir, he's not he's not going to compete to win. Um, Mackenzie Hughes, a lot of his game it, it comes with big putts on the green. I think that gets nullified a little bit here. So Corey Connors, I know Mike, you're a big Corey Connors guy, and he's been in great form. He's been in great form. Like you said, he was good in the Masters last mm-hmm. last year. Um, I think this weekend, I don't want to date the podcast when we're recording here, but this weekend, you know, he might be uh, in contention to win this one too. This is where he won his first yeah. tournament. It was what, the Texas what, Open. What Texas Open, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, so I, I'm, I'm big on Corey Connors this, uh, this week. Joe Connors. And um, so one last take from me, you know, uh, if you know me, it's no secret that I'm a Tiger fan. If you didn't know, now you know. Tiger, if you're listening, we wish you well, or I wish you well, and uh, hopefully we see you back soon. Now, Phil Mickelson was someone that I was not always the biggest fan of growing up. He was was always made to be the villain to Tiger. But uh, in recent years, his sense of humor has come through, uh, you know, at the match there. So I respect him a little bit more because of it. And I, I'd like to know what your take is on Phil at the 2021 Masters. Do you think he can he can make a push? Yeah, I'm kind of in the same space as you with Phil. Like, I didn't really like him when I was younger and when he was competing against Tiger. came off as, you know, a little douchey kind of even. Mm. But, uh yeah, he's a funny guy. You watch him when he's mic'd up in the match when he's with Charles Barkley like that. Yeah. That shit's hilarious. Uh, Golf wise, not playing as well this year. Uh, we haven't seen Phil's best. He's he's 50 years old. He's on the Champions Tour now and he's actually got a win there. But yeah. uh, his form has not been good. He sprays it uh, and he still he still plays aggressively, kind of how he, how he always has. And right. that comes to bite him. But, you know, I saw last couple tournaments, he, he made the cut. He was T35 at Players, T25 at Honda. Those are decent fields. Uh, and I was, but I, I got to say, I was just watching. He's playing at the Texas Open, and he, he shot a 10 on the par 5 Ooh. on the 18th hole in the first round here. So I feel like he hasn't quite got it figured yeah. out. But I still like Phil. Augusta is one of those courses where if you've played well there before, you tend to play well there again. Exactly. And obviously, he's mm-hmm. been a champ there. It's left-handed. All those lefties, like him, Mike Weir, and <laughs> Bubba Watson, they've all been they've all been yeah. champs there. So I wouldn't count out Phil. Probably wouldn't bet him to win, but you know, yeah, he could place. He could place, and if you've got any matchup bets, some head-to-heads, you know, Mickelson and someone else, maybe you'd you maybe want to consider that. Take him. Yeah. Well, you mentioned Bubba Watson. Yeah, and I've always been a big Bubba fan. You know, he's just a, a great personality. And, uh, you know, he's obviously won at the Masters. He won twice. Yeah. Two green mm-hmm. jackets. He's got two wins. And he didn't do terrible last uh, year. If, I, if I'm if uh, i pulling stats out from my limited knowledge of Masters winners. But uh, how do you think uh, Bubba's going to play this year? Yeah, I, I never know what to expect with Bubba. He's... 
he, he's kind of one of those wild players, but one of the more interesting guys to watch, right? Because he'll, he's still like, he'll shape his shots. Like he can go around trees. Like he, he can actually, you know, he can fade, he can cut, he can do everything that you need to do. And, and he's one of those guys that talks too. Like you'll hear him, you know, he takes a ball out of the dirt and you'll hear him, ah, fricking mud ball, you know, and so he, he's yeah. good to watch. I like For Bubba. Sure. Again, probably not betting on him, but I'll, <laughs> right. I'll, I'll watch you'll him. Watch him. <laughs> That's great. Well, uh, well, Adam, uh, thank you for being our 18 over par masters golf correspondent. Uh, our first, our first and only first masters and only, golf yeah. correspondent. <laughs> That's phenomenal. Well, you know, happy to be here. My name came up a couple of episodes ago because yes. I've got yes. the TaylorMade uh, yes. R7s that yes. you had purchased from Luke Valgertson and mm-hmm. now are in my possession. I, Episode uh, four, Luke Valgertson. Yeah. Are they for sale? He was, uh, he was they wanting them back. back. I yeah. got to say, I don't think he's getting them back and there may be a couple clubs short now too. The, <laughs> the gap wedge is missing in action and the, the four iron was broken around a tree at oh, one no. point. So they're, they're dwindling at this point. Jeez, you'll have to get a one iron. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I don't know if they make that in the R7s. No, probably not. Maybe not. All right. Well, thank you so much for, for coming on. You don't get a DQ cake, but... Uh, regardless, well, maybe, well, maybe we will. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> yeah. Another, another shout out to uh, Nick and Nikki and their DQ conglomerate, DQ Northgate, DQ Polo Park in the food court. In the food court. And DQ Nibberville and their latest one, DQ St. Anne's Road. DQ St. Anne's. Absolutely. We'll have to, we'll have to get over there and, and get some uh, some vegan treats. Have you tried those ones? Yes, there? I got the Dilly Bars, the non-dairy Dilly Bars. Delicious. Yeah. And made with coconut. Wow. Yeah, so I, I got them. Uh, hopefully, we'll throw up something on social media so you can actually see me uh, where, uh, working down a dilly bar. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> sure, it's quite a sight. <laughs> working down a dilly bar. Well, I, it's the new DQ slogan. Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's probably on brand. Um, great. Well, yeah, I uh, found Adam particularly insightful. <laughs> and, uh, thank you for coming. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll have to have you back. And thanks again to uh, Jamie Wilkie, Winnipeg Dodge, the new Winnipeg Dodge, winnipegdodge.com. Thanks so much for coming by. Thanks, boys. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. And you can count on me waiting for you in the parking lot. Teen Over Bar is proudly presented by Jamie Wilkie and the new Winnipeg Dodge Chrysler Jeep Ram Fiat. Pulling up to the clubhouse in a ride that looks half as good as your golf attire just isn't cutting it. It's time to improve your ride and your drive. You can purchase a new or used vehicle from Jamie Wilkie at the new Winnipeg Dodge in the Point West Auto Park and the former Manitoba Amateur Champ will take you for a round at Breezy Bend. So now pulling up to the clubhouse won't be so damn embarrassing and neither will your golf game. You can book your test drive today at winnipegdodge.com. Just ask for Jamie Wilkie. You can also check him out on episode two of the 18 Over Par podcast. He'll certainly be happy to see you. You can also find them on social media. So make sure you improve your ride and your drive. And the only place to do that, the new Winnipeg Dodge. They're different. You can check them out, winnipegdodge.com. JR, we have a lot of fun on this podcast. I want to take a second to talk about something that has affected me personally. 
Every year, millions of Canadians suffer from brain freeze. It can happen to anyone. It's a hot summer day. You're aggressively enjoying a DQ cool treat, a blizzard, a dilly bar, or a variety of personalized ice cream cakes, and whammo, brain freeze. It hits you like a triple bogey. The good news is you can enjoy these delicious treats in a moderately sized bite. So get over to any Nick and Nicky's group of DQs and enjoy some DQ treats safely. DQ Northgate on McPhillips, DQ Pool Park in, food, in the food court, DQ Niverville, and DQ St. Anne's Road. Go see them today for tasty treats.